Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm your host, Sean Duffy, along with my uh, co-host for the podcast, but also my partner in life, Rachel Campos Duffy. Thank you, Sean. Hello, everyone. We're back with more conversations from our kitchen table. And today we have a very special guest. Very special. Yes. Um, He's my co-host on Fox and Friends Weekend. But also people don't realize Pete and I go way back. We're friends uh, long before I ended up even at Fox. So um, it is my pleasure to uh, welcome to the kitchen table Pete Hegseth. He is, as I said, the co-host of Fox and Friends Weekend. But he's also, and this is so exciting, the moderator for Fox Nation's Miseducation of America Live Summit, which he had last week. And of course, this is the series that everyone's talking about on Fox Nation because it's everything you ever wanted to know about what's happening in your school. Pete, welcome to the kitchen table. Thank you so much for having me. You're right, Rachel. We've been co-conspirators for quite some time. Yes, we have. (laughs) Um, Yes, we've been accused of sharing the same brain many, many, many times. A a, a quick side note, Pete, I don't know if you were, when I was in Congress, you came and did a town hall with me in the western side of my I did. I do remember that. On, on vets with, with a bunch of vets groups. We did. It was it was it was awesome. I just like welcome everybody. And here's Pete Hexath and <laughs> let Pete go, which was fun. Well, you guys are my two favorite Midwesterners. So um I'll take so great to have you. That's right. So Pete, let's just get right into it because I, I don't know how you could have timed this summit and this series any better, but the whole country is finally awakened to something that you and I and Sean have been talking about for a long time, which is the indoctrination in our schools and this very systematic, methodical, well-planned out, patient, uh, I don't know what you want to say. Takeover. Takeover. Yeah, that's the right word, of American schools. So no one knows more than you at this point on how this all happened. I want to talk about why you decided to do the series, and then I want to get right into like, the, the how far back this goes. Mm-hmm. I want, I want to know, know. What, what were your takeaways, Pete? What did you learn? When you, when yeah. You- I mean, you, first of all, you guys have been all over it. Um, and and be, because you understand the key to the de- development of kids and how they think and what they love and what their affections are and what they value. And that's even more important when they're very young. And we oftentimes mm-hmm. obsess about college and where they get in and how that affects them. And that's true. Of course, universities are are. Uh, have jumped the shark a long time ago, but the progressives have been laser focused on kindergarten and third grade and sixth grade. And 
the development and molding of a worldview of kids. And it's timing wise, we kind of lucked out. Uh, the series got delayed a couple of times. Um, and sometimes, you know, you need the good Lord to step in and, and have it have it hit when it does. And you're right. The nation, because of COVID, because of um, the election in Virginia, because of critical race theory and the things that are just blatantly out in the open that the left both acknowledges and denies at the same time, calls them different names, hides them as something else, makes us sound like we're crazy when everyone can see it right in front of their eyes. Uh, and so what, and Rachel, you've been, you've been, as we've worked together, a big part of helping me understand how deep it goes. And I think we've all slowly, but surely peeled back the onion and thought, well, maybe it's just the inner city schools or the really elite schools, or maybe it's the ones on the left, left coast and the right coast of America. And maybe it started in the eighties and maybe, or maybe it was the sixties. And you, the further you start to dig and unravel the, the scarier the reality becomes of how intentional progressives, early progressives, we're talking, um, you know, there was the progressive party, there was the progressive movement, Teddy Roosevelt was a progressive, Woodrow Wilson was a progressive, um, there was a huge progressive movement in in Europe, which was a really Marxist. And so the progressives here were like Marxist light and talked a lot about democracy uh, as their end goal, as to use coded language to sound like they were on board with the American project. And through using coded language and being very intentional about where they placed people, they were open about how important they knew education was. And one of the key discoveries of this film and other parts, there's actually a book coming in June, but that's, is the, how much they wrote about it in the New Republic, in the Progressive, John Dewey mm -hmm. and others. Education was probably the, the most likely topic they wrote about is how do we develop a school system uh, that prepares kids to be future progressives? Isn't and, there a famous Lenin quote about that? Like, give me four years yes. and I can. What is the quote? Do you remember? I can't rattle it off the top of my head, it's but something, it's, it's something to the effect of give me four years and uh, with and, and I can change, you know, essentially the child and then and the then future. the future. I and, should have that. I used it in my last in the in on the last Fox News primetime as we were previewing the fifth episode because we yeah, do I mean, the film. And this is what I I love about your piece, because you're right. All of us were wondering how far back does this go? Because when you understand how far back it goes, you understand how invested and how they're playing for keeps. They are not going to undo this thing. So tell me how far the takeover of American schools goes back. Well, it really began. Um, it, I mean, it, it really began in the in the mid 1800s with the with Horace Mann and the development of the modern school system. But it really took off uh, in the early 1900s. Uh, with John Dewey and the formation of the modern public school system, which was a progressive school system from the beginning. They wrote about it. They planted schools. They traveled across the country and, and formulated school boards. And, and, and you have to sort of mix in the, the conspiratorial part of it, not conspiratorial, but, but the agenda part of it with the reality that America was a young nation. There was a desire to have more kids in school, more kids capable of reading, more kids capable. You have people from diverse backgrounds that have, that have immigrated to America. So there are practical reasons. But what the progressives were so good at doing is they saw those practical needs and they said, okay, we're going to start teaching kids to do a job. We're going to teach a skill at school. And that was a very intentional pivot because 
What we also go back to is where the the Western Christian education system came from, which is from Athens, Greece, uh, which moved through Rome and then merged with Christianity and and Judeo-Christian values and through the Holy Roman Empire, through the universities in Europe. uh, Ultimately, uh, the the university system that transported to America and you guys know, you know, elite universities, all universities up until basically the 1900s were were truly religious institutions, Uh, Harvard, Princeton, all those. They were all built to train ministers. That's what they were founded in their crests and mottos still today. We don't know that. I mean, even I didn't know that. Like, I kind of knew there were a lot of, you know, ministers that came out of there, but I had no idea that that was actually. They were religious institutions meant to give you know, modern education, scientific reason, philosophy to the minds of ministers who would then go out across the country and have the capability to not just explain the gospel, but to explain the great books, to to understand the latest scientific thinking. And so it was it was an enculturation based on a Western Christian view. That was the model of the system. That was the water in which our founders swam. That was the great books and the great ideas they engaged with. It's why they knew a democracy was not the right form of government for the United States of America, because they understood that democracy in the wrong hands lent to tyranny. And they wrote all about it. And it was all based on that understanding. The progressives knew how solid that core was in America. So their school project, the idea of school, uh, focused on turning away from liberal arts, small l, which is the liberation of the mind. We all think we got a liberal arts education if we went to a certain university. For the most part, uh, you're, these days, it, it's not a liberal arts education at all. It's a progressive education. But liberal arts was liberate the minds to think freely as free citizens. And every American kid got that view. Progressives started by saying, we're going to turn school into a vocational exercise. We don't, you don't need to learn that pesky Latin stuff. You don't need to learn um, phonics. You don't need to learn world history, history, Western history. You need to learn to be prepared to do a skill. And as you do that, you create, I mean, it's called the road to serfdom, actually. I was written about it famously. It, you create you know, future workers who are not as liberated and capable of, of thinking for themselves about this kind of American experiment we have to perpetuate. So it started with a function and then it turned into more agenda and indoctrination. And as, I, as, I, as I've kind of heard and, and, and looked at the piece, Pete, what's, what shocks me is how smart the progressives, the radical Marxists were to say, I can't change, you know, someone who's in their late 20s or 30s or 40s or 70s. But if I can change the young mind, I can change America. And it's taken a hundred years for them to fully infiltrate into the school system. And now it's, it's completely lost. And the teaching to your point, we thought it was on the, on the coast um, it's in, you know, urban areas, but it's not across the country. And I think what we see now is it is across the country because teachers who are taught in teachers colleges are fed this indoctrination, this form of instruction, this ideology that they then bring into the classroom and so um, if you get a teacher in small town, farm town, America that was educated in you know, one of our state universities, they're bringing those ideas into the school yeah. system, um, which is why this is kind of expanded like a rat. And as I, just, I think, Pete, as you, you know, mentioned their idea of how we you know, educate people, I, I look, I, I don't know the stats on this. I don't even know if you looked at it, but in the 1800s, we seem to have a pretty smart country, right? People were well-read. They knew their history. They knew the constitution. They knew civics. They knew about, 
you know, you know, democracy and the republic. They and they were moral, good citizens. Yeah, and, it and they like knew the Bible. They knew right. the Bible. Yeah. The Bible was openly taught in American schools yeah. until the early 1900s. Openly taught in the schools, and, used and as was, the reading material. And that was intentional, Pete, to take it out. It right? was absolutely intentional. And that's one of the un, one of the things we discovered in the project is they created a series of schools, the flagpole of which was was called the Gary Plan, which uh, were around vocational training. But what they wrote about in the New Republic a great deal because they transported this system from from uh, from Gary, Indiana to New York City is we know we can't get rid of God completely because the parents will be outraged. And we there's a whole, there's a whole, uh, we dissect the idea. Sneaky little bastards. <laughs> but yeah, they are. So we, we're not going to get rid of it altogether. We're just going to say, we're going to do a pullout period where the, the students are going to leave the school and go get religious instruction and then come back to the school. And, and that merged with, and there's a lot that we talk about in the book also about the, about Christianity in America, which had its own splinters. You had the social justice side of the church, and then you had the very evangelical side of the church and the evangelical side of the church basically abandoned the idea of education. It was all about saving souls. So what you got instead was the development of Sunday school. Sunday school was the, was the way in which the church continued its quote unquote education alongside the school because God had been pushed out of the school. But we all know that, you know, one hour on Sunday morning and one hour on Wednesday night can't compete with 40 hours a week in a progressive school that's removed God. So they slowly, but surely it was never about do they keep God in schools? It was always, always about how do they? And the debates were in the open in the New, New Republic. Do we do it more dramatically? Do we do it with a pullout period? And what they were, the crazy part, and it rattled my cage when we were doing the research, is that they replaced prayer with uh, with allegiance to America because they needed something else for for to bind the country and bind allegiance. And so the Pledge of Allegiance, the original one that didn't include under God, was written by Francis Bellamy, who was a socialist, a fellow traveler of John Dewey. And kids were saying it in school as a way to bind them together, not not around God and the Bible, but around allegiance to the country. And of course, because they're progressives, it was never about the flag. It was never about the pledge. It was never about the national anthem. Those can be discarded later on once our project has moved forward. And that's why we have a temptation to want to call it a conspiracy. But what it really was is just a a, a intense willingness to, to do the work generation after generation, knowing they never knew what progress would really mean. All they meant all they knew is that it was progress away from our Western Christian values towards something that could be molded for political control, for social control. Uh, and ultimately, that's when the Frankfurt School and the Marxists showed up and they had an, this new theory called critical theory, which made its way into the number one teacher's college in America at Columbia University and then made its way throughout. So when you talk about those local school districts, Sean, you're entirely right. We're, we're dealing with is an educational deep state. You can call it educational deep state. You can call it uh, the educational industrial complex, call it what you want, but all the curriculum, all the pedagogy, all the teacher, all the standards, now the test, the SAT has been completely destroyed of its reasoning functions. Um, all are a product of a progression, progressive system that handcuffs that good Christian local fourth grade teacher who really wants to teach the right things, but can't do any of that if they want to in today's classroom. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, we, we know lots of really good people from little towns and they send their kids to college and many of those kids want to become teachers and they just come back radicalized. But they don't it's not it's not even like they're they're not radical people no. um, per se, but like 
what they teach is completely what? steeped in what they got from the teacher's college. Should they just assume all of it is just taken as assumption. There's been no, you can't survive at all. You can't survive no. if you have a contrary opinion, you can't. So if you want yeah. to be a teacher, you have to go with the way of the latest teaching methods, call it social, yeah. emotional learning, call it common core, all the different iterations of what they've introduced. It's if you want to be a teacher, you can't, unless you go into the types of school, you send your kids to a, a classical Catholic school or a classical Christian school, which has a whole different set of curriculum. See, that's, yeah. that's the solution that we point to at the end is we have to unlearn the progressive assumptions that are totally awash in our education system. Things like social studies, which was never uh, a whole series of things that cascade from that. It was all about turning every aspect of education into science. See, recognize the worship of science we have today. They used mm-hmm. that back then too, to turn it into the social sciences. And it wasn't, so what you're doing is you're studying human behavior, believing that you can change human behavior as opposed to studying history to look at human nature, understand God and human nature so that you avoid the worst tendencies of, 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 of our own being. And that it all goes back to, it all actually does go back to God. And when you look at our Western project, it survived for 2000 years because it had that key ingredient and the progressives were obsessed with removing it. And as I look at education now, Pete, it's it's one thing to say, okay, we want to take God out of education. We want to bind people, you know, by, you know, rallying around allegiance to America. But to to have a strong country, you still have to have well-educated people. And if I look at what my kids learn in, in, in public school or what they've learned in college, Rachel and I have talked about this. It is absolute garbage. They're, they're not learning you know, math and English and science and like all the basic things that you think we pay taxes to get our kids well-educated or we pay tuition to the schools to give a great education to our kids. They're not learning those things. What they're learning is all of this radical ideology that won't help. I mean, unless you're going to, you know, be a, you know, a gender study major, but it doesn't help them as they go out into the world to be successful, productive, productive members of society. And I think what's happening is we have, we have the education system that is not there any longer to educate our kids. They're only focused on indoctrinating our kids. That's I've exactly right. Little, little activists, little Marxists, little Democrats, little protesters to go out and you know complete the, 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 the transformation of America into a Marxist society, which for me, that we've let this happen. Pete, we're, you know, we're, we, Rachel and I just crossed the 50 threshold. You're in your 40s. How did America... You know, we could have gone back 20 years, 30 years and probably done something about this. But we let this happen under our own noses. We saw it happening and no one stood up and was like fire in the theater. We got a problem. Let's eradicate the Marxists and take the schools back over. We just passively the sat by there, Pete. I mean, and let them do yeah. it, which frustrates the hell out of me. And now it's now it's too like far gone. Weather underground, all those people, Bill Ayers. I mean. They left the domestic terrorism of the 1960s. And where did they go? They went into the university system. Bill Ayers actually started, you know, making curriculum for our kids. Well, that's I mean, rules he, for radicals. It says stop he, bombing buildings and start putting on suits. Why don't you go shave and run for the positions that change things? And right, Barack Obama is a perfect example of that. He is a perfect example of that. But back to Sean's point, how did we I mean, we were all pretty young at the time, but why? how did we let this? How do you think? We got to this point. Like, what is it? Why, why didn't we see the signs as a movement, um, a conservative movement? What was ha- what, what happened? Is it just that we gave all our money to think tanks and, and we didn't 
I don't know what happened. That's a great point. Um, what I think conservatives and Republicans were good at was uh, fighting communists and uh, on the battlefield, whether it was the Cold War or Islamists post 9-11 or preserving our free market system. So if you look at, you know, we chose our battles and our battles were military battles and blatant, you know, geopolitical enemies and, you know, stopping the socialist takeover of of our economy so that we have a good robust free market system like think tanks were very if you think about think tanks and idea very focused on those ideas and and yet you know ronald reagan tried to repeal the department of education and failed utterly after jimmy carter had created it because the first democrat or first candidate that teachers unions ever endorsed for president was jimmy carter and what did jimmy carter do he turned around and created the federal department of education for them as a gift and the nea openly said there would be no education department without the nea now the education department is of course completely captured by the unions so we just it was always just a second tier issue and i think it was because you know i went to public school i went i was in a conservative christian community very patriotic and the assumption was the local school reflects the values of me and my family. It might be a couple kooky things here or there, but ultimately it's accountable to us. We pay our property taxes and everything's going to be, everything's going to be okay. That there was that lingering view. I mean, frankly, a lot of it has to do with the world war II generation that came home and said, we're going to give you everything uh, we never had. And then they gave us, they gave us everything we didn't need and didn't give us the things that they did have, which is that. So, so, so true. Wow. You know, it's, it's, and so we kind of, the, the, the prosperity and the boom of the 50s and the 60s. Yeah, those radical kids out there. It it just blinded the eyes of people who more or less ignored those local institutions. And the left was laser focused on we're laser focused on principles. They're very focused on positions and they just ran for the positions. As you pointed out, they took over the positions uh, and slowly but surely it was easy to say well we're going to solve this problem of education through this new bill or this new federal department or more money more money and we never created a philosophy and you also can't in our research you can't underestimate the the um allegiance the uh what would you put it the embrace of public school right people are proud of the idea that in america we have these big public school institutions where everyone gets a chance at the American dream. And if you work hard and do your homework, maybe you'll get into a good college. And when you get into that good college, maybe you'll get a good job and provide for your family. And that assumption sort of is so baked in even today, even now, I mean, neighbors, friends of mine and yours, I, you can present all of this information, all of the documentary, all of the books that to come. And they're going to say, well, but not my school my principal's a good guy. And I, you know, the teachers are, there's a couple of Christian teachers and, you know, it's, we, we watchdog it really closely. It's that whole idea, Sean, you're familiar with this. I, I hate Congress, but I love my congressman. That's and right. it, it's yep. that same idea when it comes to public school, I know it's all corrupt, but I moved to a good school district and the gym is great and they have iPads and and so it's, it, there's so much blocking. You're also, we had to be very careful with this and we're having to be careful with the book. It's hard to indict people on the choices that they've made for the most precious thing that they have in their life, which is their kids. So if you confront with them that their kids are getting a progressive indoctrination, which they are today in our government schools, 
you're indicting their parenting. Uh, and, and, and we're very careful not to do that, to say, like, it's not your fault. We all grew up with these assumptions. We, we lost this terrain. What are you going to do about it? We're actually in a retreat here. And what I call for ultimately is an insurgency, which is a, in, in, a, in a educational sense. We, have to, we, act, we actually have to retreat and leave and, and create our own places where we, where we develop a generation of kids. But we just took our eye completely off the ball. It wasn't a priority. We didn't think here, here's the other reason, Sean, I think to the political part of why conservatives didn't take on education. We've always seen education as a local solution, local control. And so there was never a national approach for say educational tax credits or a voucher program or, or freedom, parental freedom or parental bill of rights or whatever you want to say, because it was always a local issue, rightfully so, except the left has turned it into a federal issue and where the local control almost is non-existent. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. One point and then a question for you, Pete, because I, I, in Wisconsin, I was talking about how do we actually put pressure on our university system to get them to change their methods, change their teaching, change the balance of you know conservatives and liberals on campus. And the most conservative people I know in Wisconsin, I won't name them, but people who actually work in government were outraged by what I was saying because they went to the University of Wisconsin. They, they were, were like, they were loyal no. alumni more than Correct. they care about this issue. Uh, uh, to your point, I mean, people people buy into you know their alma maters and they don't want to change them and they don't want to believe what's sitting right in front of them. To your point, but here's what here's what really gets me. You're a, you're a military guy, and you, you know you, you talk about you know conservatives are fighting you know communism on you know the, on the battlefield and around the world as they just. The commies, the the Marxists just slipped in the back door and took 100%. over our school system. And I look at this, if 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 I'm in the Pentagon, I'm like I got a I I got a national security threat running Amen. rampant through America. They're teaching the next generation to hate America. That is a national security threat. We are going to go as a, as the as the government after the teachers union change the way our teachers are being taught in government funded universities because we can't sustain this country if this is what our our, our next generation is being taught in K through twelve or in the in secondary education and it seems like they've they, infiltrated the military now they don't, they don't this is they don't see this as a threat they see this as a beautiful development in America and I'm like who in the hell is running the military. To not see that this is a rising threat that we cannot sustain. Amen to everything you said. It is a national security threat. How can you fight to defend yourself if you don't believe in yourself? 
And the, the next generation of kids, if we believe America is inherently a sinful and terrible nation, why would you pick up a rifle and defend it against foreign threats? Or or why would you not see it as necessary, Rachel, to your point, to pick up a rifle and defend against domestic threats that are trying, you know, which is what we're seeing today. And, and the generals are political animals. They're they're ultimately um, they did what prerogatives were put in place under the Obama administration. The hardcore war fighters were pushed out. The politically correct uh, guys that wanted to achieve rank by doing whatever the, the, the Pentagon said are the ones that are there. You mentioned you mentioned the infiltration. Um, one of the cruel ironies of history is that the Frankfurt School, um, Herbert Mercusa and others who were the purveyors of critical theory that started in Germany, they actually fled Nazi Germany uh, to avoid Hitler's persecution and landed at Columbia University at the same time our boys were landing on the shores of Normandy to fight and defeat um, Nazi Germany, you know? So it's, it's, it's almost as if we went to go fight <clears throat> on behalf of freedom in the world. Uh, the very ideas that are strangling us right now arrived on our shores and we had no idea. And they exploited the freedom of America to now push at first. It was the tolerance of America. Of course, the left becomes entirely intolerant because that is their view. In fact, Mercusa wrote a famous essay called Repressive Tolerance, the idea that you can't tolerate things that are intolerable. Well, that's exactly what we see in our schools today. So it went from a project to agenda to propaganda, and now it's all uh, activism, to your point. It is, we are creating little activists who are little Marxist thinkers who believe America is evil and as a result would never defend it uh, no. in, in their classroom or on the battlefield. It's a huge no. national street that the they whole won't implication even, these of kids, this. These kids won't even defend themselves. I mean, they're so compliant. Um, that it's it's unbelievable. I have friends, you know, they, they, who live in Virginia and, and they've told their kids, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. You know, the governor said you don't have to wear a mask anymore in school. And they're like, no, mom, I'm not. I, I don't want to cause a kerfuffle. The teachers want us to the kids. I don't want to be teased by the other kids. I mean, we have created little submissive Chinese kids are not American rebels anymore. And, and it's just the truth. I want to bring up one point and then I want to, I want us to, to go very quickly over to the solution. Cause I think the people mm -hmm. listening in our podcast want to just last night, just, this is just an example. I sent this to you last night, Pete. Um, the teachers union is now going to uh, uh, buy uh, NewsGuard, huh. a service um, with so-called trained journalists to weed out all kinds of misinformation from the, the basically anything that their their teachers and their kids access on the internet. So you can imagine. So Randy Weingarten, Pete, is going to Randy Weingarten is going to do this. and what is fabulous? There's union, right? Yeah, she's the head of the teachers union. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is just that's just an example, and you should look this up. You know, it's, it was reported in Axios. It's a, you can go to my Twitter account. I saw it. Right yeah. The documents for people to look at. But this is a sign they have not given up your school board meetings, um, everything that you're doing. Good on you, America, parents. But just so you know, these people are playing for keeps and they believe they own your children and and they believe they own the future. And so that's a great pivot for us to go. Now, what do we do? Because you and I and Sean and Will Kane on the show on all of our commercial breaks, we have talked incessantly about what is the solution because it feels overwhelming. It's just a lot to take on. And as I've told you before, Pete, I don't want to spend my weeknights at school board meeting fighting school boards and Marxist teachers. I want to spend my time with my family. And so 
tell me what ultimately the conservatives should do on mass. Just, just you know, Pete, Valentina is here and she I is told like, him she's before. in the background, like encouraging Rachel with the question. I, know. I told <laughs> I Pete before it. that Valentina's voice in the background is a feature of the kitchen table. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love it. Okay, um, so what is the answer to like if you're in a perfect world, Pete, you're in charge of the conservative movement yeah. and all these parents who are fighting back and even a lot of independents and even some Democrats who are upset about what's happening. You're the general in the field. How you're the general America? in the field. What should we all do? Well, first of all, I quote you in the book, Rachel, exactly what you just said about I don't want to spend my time. I hope you're okay with that. I attribute it to you of as well. Um, I don't want to spend my time protesting protesting at school boards. And and that's what we have to realize at this point. You if you're doing that, you're sending your kids to Democrat camp every day and you're trying to deprogram when they, when they come home and it's it's not going to work. Yes. It, it's just not going to work. The the other aspect is you mentioned the teachers unions with the Internet vetting and all of that. It's only the latest iteration. You talk a lot about Howard's Inn and a people's history of America, which is American history written from, written from the Soviet perspective. That book is the highest selling textbook, textbook in American history. If it's not taught outright, it is the baseline for the, the hardcover textbooks that go into our kids' classes. So our kids are already getting an anti-American progressive history of America. By the way, they barely teach any history before America. And then the American history they do teach is through the progressive lens. And you're 1619 pro- project. Yeah, 169. Now, now it's on hyperdrive. These new social studies standards that are coming out in, in, in states, Minnesota and Colorado, chief amongst them. But they're they're erasing Abraham Lincoln. They're not even talking about the origins of World War II. Uh, they're, they're, but there's 27 mentions of LGBT rights. And I mean, it, it, they are they are going full on. This is what progressives do. They erase, they block, they tell only the current moment uh, telling of history. Okay, so if I'm if I'm General Pete, which I was never going to be a general and and never will be, I like uh, the sound of that though. For, I mean, for, <laughs> the first thing I would do is you as a parent, you have to stop the bleeding. You have to take your kids out of government schools. I mean, I don't care where you live. I don't care. And and I call it a radical reorientation. You you have the way we, you know, how much time do we, how much time and money do we spend on where we're going to vacation or what we're going to buy for Christmas or uh, any number of things we do uh, to provide for our kids. Yet we just assume we just, because we pay the property taxes, which is a big hit, especially in New Jersey and elsewhere, we say, well, we got to send them to government schools. It has to be such a priority for individuals that we we stop that right now. A- anybody who's reading it, anybody who's watching it, anybody who's listening, it's the best choice that you can make. And maybe it's homeschooling. Maybe it's a pod. Maybe it's with other parents. Um, maybe it's just a, a, a Christian or a Catholic school to start. But what we advocate, and this is we get into this much more in the book, a full on two chapters about how we fight this back in a not just in your immediate way, but overall. You have to you have to move to a school that reflects your values and then we have to grow those schools. So in the actually the darkest moment in American educational history was the 1970s, because in the 1970s, there was no such thing as Christian or Catholic classical schools. They did not exist. The traditional form of education that founded our republic was completely buried. It was there were none of them. There were zero. So the progressives had Then a few schools popped up in the 80s and 90s. Now we have over 400 classical Christian schools, classical Catholic schools in 46 of the 50 states. They're in your they're 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 in there. You can make the drive. You can find the way. They're very affordable. They're not like elite schools where you're paying twenty five thousand dollars a year. Yeah, you're going to have to make some sacrifices if you want to. So you start there. Then you have to fight for in a macro level, true educational choice. 
you have to make it issue number one for conservatives and Republicans. You say we are going to uh, educational tax credits so the dollars follow the, the, the parents and the yes. kids wherever they go. Yeah. And they can choose a public school if they want. They can choose a private school. They can choose a Christian school, whatever, wherever they go. That starts to break the monopoly and the stranglehold because most parents would take a choice if they had a choice. They just can't afford it or they do or they don't think they can. If we make that the option, you can start to crack the monopoly, which A, sends a lot of kids to classical Christian school or, or other Catholic schools. But B, it also forces schools to actually start to rethink and say, like, we have customers here and they have parents and they have to choose our school. And if we're doing all this radical stuff, they're they're not really going to choose it. So maybe it has a minor moderating force. Then you got to go at the unions and defund them and their political activity and their stranglehold. Um, and, you know, forget defund the police. How about defund the unions? And, and we have to just be as vicious as Democrats have been and in, in indicting the educational system. The absolute forget about indoctrination. Nation. That's what we're talking about. How about just basic reading and writing? Like kids can't read and write coming out of school. So they're too busy doing all this other stuff. They're doing all the other stuff. Absolutely. So you you slowly but sure it's it's a I, I, you know, Chairman Mao wrote a lot about insurgency and I studied it when I was a counterinsurgency instructor in Afghanistan. There are three phases of an insurgency. Right now we're in an early phase or in middle phase one of what we would need to do to recapture our school system. And we go through the phases of what we need to do to build robust school networks that we send our kids to. And then what we need to do to discredit and delegitimize the government schools. And when you do that, it creates and then policy has to follow that allows for true educational choice. So it's possible. I mean, man alive, the left will go absolutely nuts, but we're not as far. We're not as uh, in early phase one, like we were in the seventies when we didn't even realize we had a problem. So your case in point. So just, if you remember to to our listeners and to you, Pete in, in 2011, Scott Walker had act 10 and what he did was he, in essence, did right to work for public employee unions, except for cops and firefighters, which means if you didn't want to join the teachers union, you didn't have to. Yep. And he, he knew, we know that if you do that, most people will choose not to give their money to the teachers union. And, and before 2000, explain it. Cause some people get the teachers, it was automatically coming out of their paycheck. paycheck. Like what was it they like a thousand dollars? They had, they had to pay union dues if they were a teacher they were then given the choice to not pay union dues. They protested at the Capitol. You said they lose I their mind when we go after them. They they took over the Capitol. There was an insurrection, <laughs> an insurrection at the Wisconsin Capitol for weeks on end. They took over the Capitol. They were defecating spit on, in the spit Capitol. Spit on lawmakers. Yeah, violence with lawmakers because they knew how important this was. And before 2011 in Wisconsin, the Teachers Union of Wisconsin was the most powerful political entity in the whole state. Right now, they're not a player at all. So we changed. They had to. They had changed, to let go of forty percent of their staff because they lost so much money. We've changed right. some of their some of their political power, but we haven't changed the teaching within the institution itself. So it was a partial step. The politics of it have been addressed, but not the education of the kids coming out of the the university system in Wisconsin that go to our. And our we school. can't. So we, there's only so much we can do with the. So that's a mass a massively important example, but it's also an example of what we do as conservatives as. We fight the political battles, hoping it's going to change our cultural battles. And it and, doesn't. And it doesn't. And so Wait, we, can, can I bring up we need a cultural we, retreat. We need a yes, cultural yes. retreat. And when you talk about schools, just to make a, a side note on that, I think you're right. We have to get out of public schools. And I think you're right, whether it's you know homeschooling or pods or a private school. But for our listeners, 
all private schools are not created equal. Amen. Because there are some private schools that you're going to pay tuition to send them to a private school and they're going to get the same garbage they would get in the public school. And oftentimes I, I had one of those schools. I'm like, why am I paying for what I get for free in the public school? We did yes. Because we said, oh, they have the mass and the Eucharist, yeah. which true. Jesus was allowed in the school and that we were grateful for that. But it's it's not the same. And do your research, right? You have do, your, to do your research. What, what kind Classical, of classical great book? That's why that's why I I mean, listen, I'm just a, at this point, I'm just a straight up in the tank advocate for classical Christian classical Catholic schools. Every other type of school you choose to send your kid to is all predicated on the progressive schooling system. All of it, the tests, the curriculum, the pedagogy, the teachers, the pipeline, everything. So don't pay it because I've done the same thing. At least God is in the school, right? That's where I, that's what I've said when I've transitioned away from public school because I didn't have a classical school there for some of our kids. But even there, you look around, you go, it's just, it's still the same muck. And so you have, it has to be a very, we have to radically expand the amount of classical schools in our country um, because that's where you get free thinking, liberated citizens who can engage with the big ideas, understand their place in human history, their relationship to God, the idea of human nature, because it's not enough to survive progressive schools and then maybe come out of conservative later. We need to create future advocates ourselves. Future yes. citizens prepared to be armed with the, you know, the armor of God and go out and, and, and fight for freedom in our country. Absolutely. So. It, it is. It is. This is the number one. Well, the fatherless number problem in America is the number one problem. But this is the second biggest problem in America. We'll have more of this conversation after this. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. I just want to give a personal example because I think, you know, some people may think, oh, here's Rachel, Pete and Sean, you know, uh, preaching about this. But all three of us have made real changes in our lives based on this. And for Sean and I, as he said, we were in a very, you know, mediocre Catholic school back in Wausau, Wisconsin. Um, We we, we, were in history in this Catholic school. Yep. I was I was going in. I was arguing. I was fighting. And then I gave up. I got demoralized. And I just said, I can't. I'm just going to focus on deprogramming my kids. Right. I can't Mm -hmm. change the school. And then when I got the job at Fox and Friends, you know, we, we had to make a huge family decision, you know, for, it would be more convenient if I was closer to the um, to the to the studio in New York City. But we love Wisconsin and it was a lot cheaper to live there. There were a lot of reasons for me to stay. But the school was like part of the was was a huge reason. We're like, there's nothing keeping us here. The public school sucks. The Catholic school sucks. We need to find another one. And I thought initially when I got here that I, I moved to a town that was, you know, fairly conservative. And so I thought, and I was paying a lot of taxes so I, and it was a, you know, really beautiful, well-funded, all the bells and whistles that every parent thinks they want. And I went and we had a meeting with the principal and the principal used a couple 
words that Cold set words. us up. Yes. We're, we're raising, yep. we're raising global citizens here. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, Sean asked about CRT. Oh, that's uh what did he say? That's a dog whistle. That doesn't happen. Right. That doesn't exist. Right. Um, ding, 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 ding. And then I saw a very small American flag near the office and I saw a giant, like the size of a wall LGBTQ flag. And I thought, they're uniting kids around the LGBTQ flag more than they are around the American flag. I looked at Sean and I said, we can't be here. And he was like, and, and believe me, we, we thought, you know, we, we thought we're paying these taxes. We want to take advantage of and not have to pay private school. And God put this wonderful school um, somehow on my radar. I, somebody had talked to me about it. I ended up after that bad experience going to see it. And the second I walked in, none of the bells and whistles, by the way, old building, yes. dangerous stairs that somebody might like sue in a public school over like these steep yep. stairs. It was an old convent, I think, probably. Um, and it's like Which my kids are learning Latin and they're and my kids are studying Plato. And, um, you know, my little ones are studying Beowulf and they're getting a full Western civilization philosophy. And I mean, I just was like, oh, my God. And so the reason I tell this story is. And I have to, by the way, I have to drive much further to get there, um, which mm -hmm. is a huge pain in the butt. But if we don't support these schools, they don't thrive. And so it's what you just said. You have to support them. And I want people to know that it's worth it. We did it and it's worth it. And you and I have talked, Pete, about find the school. And then figure out where you want to live. I wish I'd found that school before I bought my house. I would have moved a lot damn closer to the school. But that, that we have to reorient the way we think. The most important thing is the school. Then figure out where you want your house to be. That's exactly right. Um, that's you just said it. And 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 that's the argument is we have to radically reorient our lives around the education of our kids. And it's not just the church you go to, and it's not just your denomination. It is what, what are you pumping into their heads for eight hours a day, nine months out of the year? And there are options today. Thank God there are options because of brave people who started something before there was any knowledge of it whatsoever. And now we benefit from, and you, you raised the, a clear point. You walk into a classical school, it, it looks foreign because you're used to going into splashy public schools with colors all over the wall and phrases and different things. The walls are alive, but the classrooms are dead. And you walk into classical schools and the walls are pretty basic, but the classrooms are alive with you know joy what's on the walls? and learning. And it's, Do you know what's on the walls in my school? I knew it was cl classical paintings. Yep. They're replicas of classical Western painting some religious, some not Da Vinci and Michelangelo. I mean, you saw that and you're like, this is where my kids need to be. They're just ingesting this stuff. Um, I, I, I couldn't be happier. Exactly and by the right. way, in the end, it's easier. I mean, Sean, do we do we worry and talk and and waste time the way we did to worrying about our kids' no. education? But can, can, I, can I make no? a, another so point? True. And it, because I think what's interesting is conservatives are having kids the liberals, the wokesters, they're not having kids. They're, 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 they're not producing like uh, the Duffies and the Hexess are producing. <laughs> That's right? the truth. <laughs> and and um, I, I was thinking, well, how do we save America? And again, I was in Congress for nine years. It was really hard to save Congress as one member of Congress. And I had more power than most people. It's, it was really hard to change things being a U.S. congressman. I think it's easier to change your school board. It's easier to change your, your city council or your county board. Those things really matter, your assembly. But the thing we have the most control over 
is our family. Change your family. Make sure you're raising good, young, patriotic, smart, well-educated kids. And if every conservative did that, every grandparent would help their kids, maybe give a little bit to send those kids to, 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 to private school, a good Catholic or Christian school. If we all did that, we would save America because there's so many of us. But it's that we're looking to save America in a presidential election while we're not paying attention to the things that we have the most power and control over, which is the family. And if we do that right, every one of us, all of us do that right, this thing is we have a bright future. We are going to win. If we take our our eye off the family and education, we are going to lose. You're exactly right. Uh, Sean, while you were talking, my uh, Jen walked into the room and her head is nodding. Uh, Thank you, Jen. In agreement. <laughs> Thank you. I love you, Jen. <laughs> she is in total agreement with you. Uh, and, and, you know, I've seen that just with you. have seen it right now. Everyone's in a, if you're in a blue state, you're like, how do I get out of here? I want to move to Florida somewhere else. And I've had, you know, lots of friends hit me up on that. And the first thing I do is I send them a link to the Association of Classical Christian Schools website, classicalchristian.org. And I point to a school and the place where they think they want to move. And I've had multiple friends email me, call me, text me and say, Pete, I looked up these schools and I looked up the curriculum and I looked up the application and I'm almost crying. Like I didn't know. That's how I felt. That's how I felt, Pete. I didn't know there were schools like this that existed in America. And I'm going to send my kids. My three kids are going to go to this school in this community. And I can't believe it because it's the polar opposite of what they get right now. And these are not political people. These are people that simply look around them and say, I I'm not political, but I don't want indoctrination. And that, that too gives me hope. So this film and the book that's coming is all about just raising awareness. That's, I know that's a word of the left, uh, but it is. People have to know that this option is even out there. And I think when they do, then they'll start thinking about that reorientation. Because right now people feel like they're in a box. Like, ah, and I don't know if I want, I don't want to pay, but it's not that much better. There are options that are way better that will expand the minds of your kids. You just have to go look for them. And I'm pulling this out of the, out of the cobwebs of my memory, Pete, but I was at a couple years ago that you did the Hegseth boot camp where the kids are going to school with Pete. And you <laughs> that was during them, the pandemic, but you know what? You had Ironic, out the pandemic the, was when we all woke up to all you had this. Them out around the flag. I mean, so obviously you you served in a different capacity, but you had this military, you know, component to the education of the you know the Hegseth boot camp, and they were saluting the flag and they were taking the flag up and down off your massive flagpole in your front yard, which I'm surprised you haven't been reported to to, to the to the, to the, to the <laughs> city council yet. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> but, but I mean, that that's part of it, too. You look, I mean, again, if pull, pull the video up for on, on Pete doing this, I don't know if it's on Fox or on your social media, but it's it's an amazing video of parents, not just, you know, going to the schools, but going, there's a role for me, too. And I because, I, you know, here's what it's the, you inspire people when you when you do bold things, when you stand up and you speak out. When I saw the Hegseth boot camp, I was inspired. What was it called? What did you know? The Hegseth School, School of School Higher, Higher Education. Learning. For higher learning. <laughs> but that, that inspires people to it, do the same thing. It looks thing. like it's a boot like, camp. Oh, but great job, Pete. Maybe I could do a mini, you know, Hexath boot camp for higher learning or whatever it's called. I mean, th- th- those are the things I think that we all have to share and talk about because and learn from each other yeah. and inspire We've each all other. had a wake up call. That's the best. That's the thing that I lead with on this topic. We've all been in the same place. We all were asleep to this. For yeah. a long time. Or it's the, the only silver lining of this pandemic, truly, um, is that we have woken up to this. And I think, Pete, you've done a real service, I think, to our country with your um, series on Fox Nation. If you have not watched this series, if you do not have if, if there's any reason to have a Fox Nation subscription, 
This is it is. This is the main reason it is the miss. Now you'll find other great stuff. Tucker has a lot of great stuff. The miseducation of America is the greatest thing that's ever been put on Fox Nation, in my opinion. Well, it is that. it is absolutely a I mean, I know you served our country in Afghanistan. We saw how that ended, Pete. Uh, this this one's going to end better. <laughs> this service is going to end better. This is the greatest thing I think you've ever done in service of your country. And I, I mean I, that. I, mean I appreciate that. that. I'm so grateful I mean for Fox Nation. Nobody else would put a series like this out. That's right. And I'll tell you this, uh, the Absolutely. guy who produced it with me, John Case, he's a wonderful producer, great kid, went to NYU film. Um, and and I, I don't know if he'd be okay with me sharing this. I'll share it in general. But it, putting the series together changed his life. Uh, wow. And it was awesome to watch one individual who, just like the rest of us, didn't know all of this information and didn't realize the assumptions of our progressive system I mean, and then he put together a beautiful film. Uh, He would have done it anyway. But regardless, I mean, when you sort of absorb yourself in it, uh, it's life changing. So I appreciate that very much. I I think it's from you guys. Everybody should watch it and and get your subscription and watch this series. You'll get all the other fun stuff that comes with Fox Nation as well. But honestly, this if if nothing else, this is I, I, I say this sincerely i wouldn't say it if i didn't mean it i think it's the greatest thing that has ever come out of fox nation because um, it can change your family it can, and it it can, can change, change your family it's, yeah it's going to change the trajectory of your family and ultimately i think it could have um i mean these this is a series that you just you just can't you, we just can't do this on fox and friends right even on a yeah. longer prime time or tucker or laura ingram segment you just can't get this information and when you understand how absolutely coordinated and and patient the the left has been in this. You really want to get your kids out of that system. So, Pete, thank you for that. Thank yeah, you for thank joining you. us on this thank podcast. You, you are you are such a good friend to us. And um, I just I'm, I'm so, so blessed to work with you um, every weekend. Likewise, you, you. you guys are two of the absolute best dear friends of ours. And and uh, you can you can always be uh, you, I, I need I'm not general Pete, but if I was, you guys would be, you know, major general uh, Duffy's. You guys would be <laughs> I, we, we could go with President Pete and put Rachel in charge of the Department of Education. <laughs> you guys, done deal. I'm going to sleep well at night if you guys. You know what President I'm going to do with Pete. the Department of Education? I'm going to close it. <laughs> I know. First job. That's why it's going to put you there. First thing, I'll just shut it down. Well, thank you so much, Pete, you, Pete, for joining us at the kitchen table. I'm looking forward to having not a virtual, but a real cup of coffee with you in studio. Yes. Um, coming up very soon here very um, soon. At, at, at Fox and Friends weekend. So thanks for joining us, Pete. Give a big hug to all your family and especially to Jen from us. I will. Likewise, you guys. Love you. Thanks, Pete. Love you too. We've enjoyed this conversation and if you did too, let us know. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. We hope to see you around our kitchen table next week. See y'all later. Thanks, Mark. See y'all later. Bye. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.